Lays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. Welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks Team Coverage Podcast, formerly known as Hoopball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the playoff bound eight seed Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this on Saturday, April 16th. Happy Easter weekend to everyone who observes Easter. Happy Ramadan to those observing Ramadan, but happy playoff time for all NBA fans, no matter of religious preference, race, creed, whatever you want to call it. It is back, and I'm glad to be here to cover it. The Hawks, as I said, are in the playoffs, and I love being right. I do love being right. I called it. You guys heard it. If not last episode, I think I said it last episode, if not the episode before, that I said that I think that they would beat the Cavaliers by six. And lo and behold, the Hawks did win by six last night after being down early in the first half, losing Clint Capella to a hyperextended knee. The turnovers in the first half for Atlanta, the poor ball movement and poor defense, especially guarding the three-point line. I tweeted after last night's game that if the Hawks did not pull out the game last night versus Cleveland on the road, final game, win or go home, the mood and narrative today would be completely different. Completely different. There would have been a lot of talks on sports radio, in the news, in the media here in Atlanta about how big of a disappointment this year was. And even though, you know, we are well below the expectations that we had set forth for this team, I projected this team being a top five, four team in the East standings wise, but To go to the playoffs back-to-back years is no small feat. So, again, congratulations to the Atlanta Hawks. Scratching and clawing behind Trey Young's 32-point second-half performance to pull out a win on the road versus Cleveland to win 107-106. Again, I was correct, six-point win for the Hawks. Waving goodbye to Cleveland, letting them know, Cleveland, this L is for you. This L is for you. And in the words... Of Durkio. He didn't say this, but oh my God, what happened to Cleveland? They went from the three seed in the Eastern Conference just a couple months ago to not making the playoffs. Wow, just wow. And I'm, I'm going to give them their flowers and JD Bickerstaff and the Cleveland organization their flowers a little bit later in the program. But we're going to hear to talk about the Hawks. After a horrible start to the year, the Hawks have rallied to get themselves in position to get to the play-in and then win both games. And now they are the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, which will take on our divisional foe, the Miami Heat, tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern time on TNT. We have some news on Clint Capella's injury today, and as well as John Collins. And that's why I kind of waited out to record a little later on Saturday. I wanted to record right after the game, but had schoolwork to do, had to meet that deadline. 
and I did watch the Pels game. So I was up late last night, off day from work, got to recover, got to rest, but I have a bunch of energy to record this episode because we got a lot to cover today. So waited it out, got some news on the two big fellas for the Atlanta Hawks. We're going to review the performance from last night's game, look ahead to the matchup tomorrow. And as I said in the last episode, the Hawks went from obviously beating Charlotte on Wednesday night, one of the worst teams in the NBA, to take on a top seven defensive team in the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Cleveland Cavaliers showed their defensive prowess early in the game, especially getting Jared Allen back. And as I talked about keys to winning against Cleveland, we had to have great ball movement, be patient and efficient on the offensive end. We had to get to the foul line and force the issue as far as making calls in favor for the Atlanta Hawks. The ball movement was not great at times for the Atlanta Hawks, especially in the first half. It was pretty bad. A lot of hero ball was being played. People were not knocking down open shots. Trey was pressing, taking some ill-advised shots, turning the ball over. He had four turnovers in the first half, and Cleveland was defending at a high level. We ended up with just 15 team assists, which is well below that number that I like of 24. So for them to win the game with only 15 team assists is unheard of. We've seen them do it, but more times than not, the less team assists, the less likely the team, as far as the Hawks are concerned, that they will win the game. But we were really fortunate that we caught on as a team in the second half, especially Trey Young, who scored or assisted on 43 of the team's 56 second half points. Accounting for more points in the second half than the Cleveland Cavaliers all second half. So let me repeat that again. The second half, Trey Young scored or assisted on 43 of the Hawks' 56 second half points and accounted for more points than the entire Cleveland Cavaliers team in the second half. If Trey Young is not all NBA second team guard at worst, we're going to have some problems. And if last night needed to count for the voters to solidify that, it really they didn't need last night. But last night was just another example of the greatness of Trey Young. His ascending, his ascension, I'm sorry, into superstardom, top five guard easily in the NBA. He's getting better shooting the three ball, getting ready involved, managing the game, controlling the game. In taking over games. He is that guy. And last night reassured everybody nationally that he is that guy with all the hate that he gets, all the Trey Young haters that I tweeted, punching air right now. I had Trey Young haters in my personal group chat for fantasy basketball, had nothing to say after he did what he did last night. So we cannot talk enough about Trey Young. We will a little bit later, of course. But Another key from last night, I said, hey, we got to get to the foul line against Cleveland, as I said. We did. We got to the foul line more than the Cleveland Cavaliers and shot 91% from the free throw line. So that was a huge advantage for the Hawks. We weren't patient as an, a team offensively in the first half as we had nine of our 13 team turnovers in that first half of play. But we definitely settled down in the second half. I said that we had to defend last night. We had to force turnovers and be connected on the defensive end. We did force some turnovers for Cleveland, especially in that second half. Guarding the three-point line seemed pretty optional at times for the Hawks, especially in the first half. 
and particularly Laurie Markin, who was killing us for the three-point line. I think he had four in the first half and ended up with 17 first-half points. Majority of his points in the first half were behind the three-point line. He ended up with 26 points, eight rebounds, and knocked down six three-pointers for the Cavaliers. The Cavs, as a team, shot 45.7% from the floor and 36% from three. And thankfully, the Hawks played much better defense in the second half because offensively, Cleveland started to stall a lot of possessions offensively in the second half. And Garland was not efficient from the floor at all, which we'll talk about here pretty quick because the difference in the second half outside of Trey Young going crazy was the team's ability to finally get some stops, especially down the stretch. And they did this without Clint Capella, who... Obviously, we know what he can do around the rim, protecting the rim, but that was the biggest difference maker, their ability to get stops. I want to give a shout-out, just like Trey Young's dad and a lot of people on Twitter, shout-out to DeLon Wright. His defense, especially on Darius Garland in the second half, was incredible, extremely impactful. Even though it does not show up in the stats sheet, he was impactful, and we cannot thank DeLon Wright enough for what he did last night. His defense is going to be needed in this next series, so... I feel like that's going to come back up at some point. But Garland, who has been incredible this year, an all-star, had 21 points but on 27 shots last night and went one for seven from three. He did add nine assists, but his inability to be efficient from the floor really hurt Cleveland, especially in the second half because of the defense that we defensive pressure that we applied upon Darius Garland. And as I said before, Last night, Clint Capella did go down late in the first half with a hyperextended knee. The MRI today showed that there was no structural damage, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. He will be reevaluated in a week, which pretty much means he's going to be probably doubtful for this series for, versus the Miami Heat. And we're going to talk about the impact of losing Capella, but the status of John Collins, which should give Hawks fans a little bit of hope here shortly later on in the program. I talked about how big it was for the Hawks to crash the glass last night, especially, obviously, as the game went on and we lost Capella. The Cavaliers got Jared Allen back, which was a huge lift from them, especially defensively. He set a lot of great pin-down screens to get the three-point shooters open and give them clean looks behind the three-point arc. And his energy was extremely impactful, especially in that first half. But... Hawks still won on the glass 42 to 36, which was huge, as I said, losing Capella, that we still did that. Going into last night's game, as I said last program, Cavs were 3 and 8 in the last 11 games going into last night's game, surely slumping in the worst possible time to have a slump. But Again, last night, do or die. So we knew that they were going to play hard, which they did, especially in the first half, coming out, punching Hawks right in the mouth. They had the home court advantage. The crowd was behind them. And Trey Young just fed off that energy, especially as the game went on. I said that we had to match their intensity as far as playing hard, going for 50-50 balls, loose balls, giving that extra effort that was needed in a playoff game. And I said if they did that, the Hawks would win, along with – having a spread attack and shooting well from the three-point line and being selective with our three-point shots. The Hawks fought the entire second half to call back and take the lead and take control of the game. They shot poorly from three-point range last night, but 
The Hawks did have five players in double digits. So even though Trey snapped last night, he had help. Trey Young started with just six points and had four turnovers in the first half. Ended the game with 38 points, nine assists, knocked down four three-pointers, and did not commit a single turnover in the whole second half of the ball game. He was masterful, fed off the crowd, a great showman, got everybody involved. And once he started getting it going in the third quarter, you kind of saw where it was going. And like, yeah, Trey has it going. And there's not a lot you can do when Trey has it going. Ask the Raptors, ask any team that he's, the, the, the Blazers, who he dropped 58, 59. <laughs> I got to remember the number. But earlier this year, career high for him. Once he gets it going, it's pretty much over. And that's what happened last night. He, on the biggest stage, national audience, ESPN, he showed everybody why he is a top three point guard in the NBA. And I know there's John Moran, I know there's Steph Curry, I know there's others, but you got to give Trey his credit. If not after last night, win. Win. As I mentioned before, the Hawks did have four other players outside of Trey Young in double digits. So he got help. Kevin Herter had 13 points last night. DeAndre Hunter, who had a bad first half, terrible first half. At times, he was unplayable. But had a much better second half, especially in the third quarter, being aggressive, getting to the rim, playing a lot better defense, which has been a trend for Dre the last couple of games. The third quarter, DeAndre Hunter is the best version of DeAndre Hunter. We're going to need him for four quarters each game this next series, but better late than never, question mark. But Gallinari had 14 points. And then Bogey off the bench had 19 points, added five rebounds and three steals for Bogdanovich. The player of the game, in my opinion, outside of Trey Young, would go to either Kevin Herter or DeLon Wright. Bogey's up there, too, because he hit some really big shots, especially at some key moments. In the second half, he, I mean, sorry, in the first half, when Hawks were down, he was the lone bright spot, knocking down threes, knocking down shots to keep it close. So, first half, you got to give it to Bogey. In the second half, you got to give it to Trey Young. But unsung heroes, not player of the games. I will correct myself there. Kevin Herter and DeLon Wright for their defense. Herter had that clutch steal at the end to ice it when it seemed like the Cavaliers were going to get back in transition and push the pace. Herter jumped into the passing lane, got a steal, got the ball back. To Trey Young, went to the foul line to ice the game, essentially. And I want to give Oyeka Nkongu his flowers as well. He stepped up when Capella went out. He only had two points, but he had nine rebounds last night. And a very, very important swat at the rim that would have been an alley-oop late in the game in the fourth quarter. I cannot commend the Hawks enough for their fight they showed last night. That was the thing that made me proud. I was up. I was supposed to be reading for school, but I was up yelling at the screen, telling them, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. I tried to be positive. You can go back and look at my tweets, check my receipts. Please do. But I always try to be optimistic. I always said, you know, there's another half of basketball. There's still a lot of basketball left to be played. Even when it looked bleak, they kept fighting. And that's where that playoff experience from last year came in to play versus Cleveland, who had a wonderful year. Struggled post-All-Star break. As I said, they went from the three seed to not making the playoffs. But 
I still say J.B. Bickerstaff should be up for a coach of the year. I don't know if he'll get it, but he should be up there. And they are ahead of schedule as a franchise, so you have to tip your cap off to the Cleveland Cavaliers. But the Hawks showed that they are they still have some remnants of that Hawks team that made a run last year. And it's going to be very, very interesting as we now take our talents down to the 305 to take on the Miami Heat, who are getting back Bam out of bio from health and safety protocols for the NBA. And they get P.J. Tucker back. Now, in the season series versus Miami, Hawks have lost three to four games they played against Miami. But coming into this first round series, the Hawks are certainly hot. They've won nine of their last 11 games, while Miami has won six of their last seven games. Miami is 17th in the NBA in points per game in the regular season, but opponents' points per game, they are fourth in the NBA, holding teams to under 106 points per game. They are 10th in offensive rating in the NBA and 5th in defensive rating. We're not going to have Capella. We're not going to have Lou Will, at least for game one. But John Collins, who's missed 16, the final 16 regular season games and both playing games, has now been upgraded to questionable with his strained right foot and sprained right ring finger. With Collins back, that certainly helps with Capella out for the season. If we had both Capella in Collins, I think that it would give the Hawks a, a pretty a better chance of upsetting the Miami Heat, even though the Miami Heat are good. Best record in the Eastern Conference. I think a healthy Capella and a healthy Collins, because Collins just loves playing against Miami. I, I have to go back and look at the numbers. I think he averaged like 24 or more a game against the Miami Heat probably in the last two years. He just loves playing Miami. So it's going to be great to get him back. It's going to be tough that we're going to miss Capella. We're going to miss his rim, rim protection, his rebounding, his energy, his you know leadership on the defensive end, getting everybody in the right positions. So that's going to fall on to the other front court players for the Atlanta Hawks. Onyeko Kongu, Danilo Gallinari, Gorgie Jang. Obviously, he's a more of a three, but DeAndre Hunter is going to have to be big. And potentially, we may have to throw out Jalen Johnson, who could be you know, make a nice impact on the glass and defensively with his size and athleticism. But our front court must be ready for a physical series, especially from the bigs in Miami. Miami's not the best rebounding team, but they do a great job of limiting the other team's ability to get rebounds as they're one of the best in keeping the rebound numbers down, both offensively and total rebounds, pretty low. They're in the top three in both of those categories. So that should be a main focus. Miami is 28th in the NBA in turnovers, so they're known to be a little loose with the ball. So the Hawks must pressure Miami defensively. I know they have an experienced guard in Lowry. You know, Butler can, you know, bring the ball up, and Hero does kind of, you know, do some pick-and-roll action off of the bench. But we're going to have to play some really good defense on Miami, be connected, communicate, pressure them and force some turnovers. It gives us some opportunities to score in transition and just get points off of turnovers. We need to capitalize on that. So that's going to be a focus this series. In the season series versus Miami, whoever shot better from three won the game. Miami is the number one three-point shooting percentage team in the NBA at just under 38% as a team. And they are number two at guarding the three-point line defensively. So we must be selective. Move the ball, 
and set some really good screens and have some really good actions to get us some clean looks from the three-point line. And we have to execute when we get those looks. And on the flip side, we have to guard the three-point line, run those shooters off the three-point line, force a contested mid-range jumper instead of a wide-open three, which we saw the impact that Cleveland you know, had when they shot the ball well from three, especially in that first half. The lead that they had on them uh, on Atlanta Hawks, especially because we struggled from the three-point line last night, and I'm sure that Miami watched last night's game and saw the screens that Jared Allen and you know Mobley were setting to get the three-point shooters open and get them some clean looks. So that could be something that Miami tries to replicate to get their shooters open in this series. One matchup that I'm really interested in looking at outside of you know Trey Young versus. Kyle Lowry, that's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, DeAndre Hunter guarding Jimmy Butler, that's going to be a very interesting matchup. But the matchup that I am curious to watch are the two leading bench scorers for both teams. Bogey versus Tyler Hero. That's going to be the matchup of the series. I think, I truly believe that, I mean, obviously, you're going to need everyone else to contribute as well. But I truly think that it may come down to, when we look back at this series, Whoever leads the leads in points between Bogey and Hero, I think that team will end up winning the game. Hero averaged 20 points per game versus Atlanta and obviously shot well from the three-point line. He had a really good year. I know a lot of people don't give him credit, but he is a really, really good scorer in his league, especially off the bench when he has free reign to run offense and do his thing. Same, same as Bogey. We already know what Bogey can do. Both of these guys... You know, 15-plus is the standard, what we expect from these guys. 20 or more, not a surprise from us. And you wouldn't be surprised if any of these guys pop up in any of the games in this series and they have 30. That's just how great these guys are off the bench scoring. So that's going to be a very fun matchup for us to watch and see if the, how impactful that matchup is on this series. Execution and finishing is going to be a huge point of emphasis for the Hawks. The Hawks in three to four games versus the Heat this year had double-digit leads on Miami. And in two of those three games, they came back and beat the Atlanta Hawks. So just like last night, how we fought down the stretch, how we executed on both ends and finished the game, we're going to need to do that if we're in a position to get a lead on Miami, especially if we don't have Capella if Collins is still not himself trying to get back into rhythm, into game shape, find his form and shooting stroke. If we have a lead, we're going to have to do whatever we can to protect that lead, which is going to come down to defense. It's going to come down to defense and then slowing down the game offensively, finding the right shot at the right time, not forcing the issue, forcing threes, forcing you know, jumpers, ill-advised Ill contested jumpers in the mid-range. Get to the foul line. Miami does a really good job of not fouling, but we're going to have to try to get to the foul line, slow down the game, and really get stops and sit down on defense and guard those shooters on the three-point line. That's going to be a real big key as far as finishing and executing when you have an opportunity to close out teams down the stretch. After last night's win on the road, the Hawks are now 7-4 and four on the road in quote-unquote playoff games, even though last night it's not a playoff game, since last year. 
So they've done well on the road, even though we have the worst road record of any team in the playoffs this year. We have played a lot better down the stretch on the road, and this is a much different Hawks team from earlier in the year. We've had road winning streaks early in this, earlier in this year, and then we've had long road losing streaks. That was that Jekyll and Hyde team, that consistently inconsistent Hawks. They are a lot more consistent now. They're playing better ball. It's playoff time, so I'm excited to see how they come out and compete in game one. Now, game one is going to be on little rest. Obviously, we played last night, and the tip-off for Sunday's game is at 1 p.m. So we're not going to get two full days rest. They travel today down to Miami, probably going to rest up, probably have a little bit of practice, try to get everybody you know, feeling good, ice, heat, whatever, to get them ready for game one. I think Miami is going to likely pull out game one, but this is the game, and as, as of every first game in a playoff series, this is going to be about who plays harder, who executes more. That's who's going to win the game. This is going to be a fill them out game. Try to We're going to try to steal this one. I, I have no doubt that the Hawks are going to play hard and try to steal game one on the road. We've seen them do that, especially last year. And if we don't steal it, hey, we're going to make adjustments for the rest of the series and see how we can adjust game by game to try to make this a longer series and a tougher series for the Miami Heat. If Collins, you know, plays and he gets back in the game shape and rhythm, along with obviously having, you know, a Kongu, Herder, and Hunter and others, it's going to give the Hawks a chance. Now, we're going to have to, like I said, try to initiate John Collins back into the offense. We already talked about extensively on this program how we don't use him the right way or enough. But it's going to be good to have his presence back on the floor. He's been an excellent teammate on the bench cheering from the sidelines while being hurt. I know he's frustrated, but I know he's excited to get back on that floor, and we're excited to have him. Defensively, it's going to be really important for Onyeka and Kongu, Herter, and Hunter to stay out of foul trouble this series. Game to game, that's something that I'm going to be looking at because Onyeka is going to you know, be in place of Capella, so you're going to have to defend without fouling. We cannot get Onyeka and Kongu into foul trouble we can't have Herter in foul trouble. He is a very underrated defender, especially off-ball. I love his off-ball defense. He's gotten so much better as he's been in this league. And DeAndre Hunter, we're going to need you to get out of foul trouble as well. So those three are going to be really key as far as defending without fouling. On the Echo Congo must be aggressive, however, I think on both ends of the floor. Attack at opportunities, finish around the rim offensively, and then make your presence felt game one and set the tone defensively for how you want the rest of the series to go. So, Ongoyeka, I'm going to be watching you. Set the tone game one. Do not be afraid of Bam, Haverstein, whoever is going, whoever you got to guard. It's barbecue chicken time. It's time to sit down on defense and let them know Ongoyeka Okongu is going to be one of the better big men for years to come in this league. This could be your coming out party. I'm really excited to see what Ongoyeka Okongu does this series. Again, the Hawks have to move the ball. It has to be a spread attack. Miami's going to throw a lot of defensive coverages at Trey Young to make things difficult and try to force turnovers, force the ball out of his hands like Cleveland did early in last night's game. This is where offensively Gallinari, Kevin Herter, Bogey, and DeAndre Hunter, they all must contribute on a nightly basis offensively 
versus Miami. They have to show up. They have to knock down their open shots. They have to put their head down and get to the rim, get to the free throw line, do whatever it takes offensively to put points on the board and help the team. Those four guys are going to be crucial outside of Trey Young offensively. And that's where ball movement comes in. They can't win a, a game against Miami Heat with 15 team assists. They can't. Has to be north of 20, 24. Has to be north of 24. If it's 22, someone or under, someone has to go off. It has to be Trey. It has to be bogey. has to be a crazy game from Hunter, Herter. If the, the assist numbers are low and they win, it's because somebody went off. But until then, we're going to have to move the ball around and get everybody involved early and often to get them in rhythm so that Miami can't just key in on Trey. They got to account for everyone else on the team. I would throw John Collins in there, but again, he's slowly coming back. And, you know, we're going to get whatever we can from John Collins, especially game one with him being out 18 games. We're going to get what we can for him. But this is going to be a tough series against the number one seed Miami Heat. But the Hawks team has shown that they have that same fighting spirit from last year's playoff run. So truly anything can happen, as we saw from last night in their comeback win. The playoff Hawks are back. And here at Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks, we are going to be on it as far as coverage. I am thrilled to be covering Hawks playoff basketball for a second straight year. It's truly a blessing to be a part of and talk to you guys and record, even with all you know the work and school that I got. You know, I just really appreciate you guys' support. And we got this together. You know, I'm always going to be positive. I'm going to be uplifting. You'll see, y'all see me on Twitter as far as with the Hawks. When things are bad, I'm not going to harp on the bad like a typical fan. I'm going to be objective and find the optimism. And that's what they did last night. So I, congratulations again to the Atlanta Hawks for grinding out that game in Cleveland and extending their season and holding off their off-season plans. And I want to give also a shout-out to my childhood team, the New Orleans Pelicans, for making the playoffs on the same night that the Hawks made the playoffs last night. So it was truly a special, special night for me. And this is a special program, and you guys are a special audience, and I'm just a, just so grateful to be able to you know, talk to you and give you guys this content. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars, give us a good review, and share it and tell everybody about the hottest podcast covering the playoff Atlanta Hawks, your eight-seed Atlanta Hawks. Put them on. The episode's going to come out later Saturday. But Sunday before the game, I want everybody to listen to it. Everybody listen to this game, to this podcast before tip-off tomorrow. Put them on. You know the drill. Share with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball fans. It does not matter. Put them on to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That is at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. And then on Twitter, follow myself at Brad Jarrett 67. That is Brad J A R R E T T 67 on Twitter. Let's go, Hawks. Playoff season is here. And let's see if we can shock the world versus the Miami Heat. We'll catch you guys after game one.